A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. At Leia Healthcare, we always want to give our members more. So now you get unrestricted access to a world of benefits that will help you stay healthy. From convenient video calls with a GP to get prescriptions online, to easy access to experts when you finally want to do something about your ropey knee or dodgy back. And if you do need to see someone urgently, our clinics are available for minor injuries, all without you needing to put your hand in your pocket. Let's stay on top of your health, in every way. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Unrestricted benefits are available until the end of December. Fair usage policy applies. Yes, we've got the Miami Douchebags power forward, Lewis Morgan. How are you, mate? All right? Hello, good side. How are you? I'm good, mate. By the way, you are looking gorgeous, man. You had, you've had work done out there. Everyone that goes to Miami gets work done. What have you done? The lot. Nah, it's, uh, it's this sun. I'm the palest person ever come out here, but it's even giving me a wee bit of glow, so... Um, right, see, on Miami, mate, is, uh, is Ace Fight Ventura found Snowflake for the Miami Dolphins yet? <laughs> Uh, mate, no idea. Um, but yeah, like, mad place. Like, um, I think Slaney's been on to a few of the boys as well, but getting out, so um, have to get you out at some point. Mate, well, how do you think Bex would take Slaney? Oh, wouldn't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> um, no, but to be fair, loads of the American boys have been like on listening to it. Um, and Slaney's like, love him. Like, even some <laughs> of the really? they, they don't have a clue what he's saying, but um. I put I put them on to to the podcast and I'm loving it. So, oh what a man! I love you for it. Um, any celebrities, mate? Have you seen any? No, just bits. Just do the bit. Bits. Bits. Yeah, no, just him. Um, he's the only one. I mean, I think at the LA game start of the season, Will Ferrell and that were there, but we didn't get to see him or anything. So, um, it's just been that at the moment. Mate, when you first came on the screen, I actually thought you were a uh, Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Yeah, with a friend. <laughs> I, that's all the that's the lockdown haircut. So I've just been buzzing it right off. So uh, <laughs> yeah, just see you on bets, mate. Like, have you been up to his that? Nah, not. Um, he had us all out for dinner, like one of the first nights we got here. Um, but other than that, like he's cuts about the training ground and that sometimes, but not seen him in a while. I think he's obviously back in England at the moment, so um, not seen him. See, so when he's at the training ground, you get a kick about him. Nah, he's probably looking at us like, well, who are these Muppets in my team? Um, <laughs> watching me hit set pieces, can't get past the first man, so... Uh, That's Slaney as well, you've took, you've took over for <laughs> Slaney. Can't reach the box. 
Does Bex ever speak to you about like the football like, after a game or will he pull you and have a wee chat with you? Nah, to be fair, um, before the LA game, um, he came over and was at training and all that, spoke to all the boys before the game and comes into the changing room and stuff. Um, but obviously, with everything going on, we were obviously just back from Orlando now, so um, he's not been over here at all, so not spoke to him. But um, before that, like the first two games, yeah, he was. He speaks to the boys, and um, I think a few boys in the team have played with him as well, so... Um, yeah, please tell me he's normal. Tell me like farts and that as well. Is he just not like that at all? No, he won't be like that at all. Nicest <laughs> smelling guy I've ever smelt. Him and Ollie and Cham. Who? Him and Ollie and Cham. They've got yeah. a bit of with them there too, haven't they? Yeah, they got the same guy, I'm sure. Lovely. Uh, right, mate, before we start, I've heard your tea total. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's, all, my, that's all my questions. Fuck it. <laughs> but all the world, fuck. <laughs> when did you decide that? Has that just been for a young age that you've never really touched it? Yeah, just from, I don't really know why, to be honest, just kind of happened, circumstantial, just never touched it. Um, to be fair, like when I was at Celtic, there was a few boys that were like that. Um, so, I don't yeah, know. Like, KT never did when I was there at the start. Um, I think Big Ayer does now, but didn't. So, I think it's becoming a wee bit more common, to be fair, but. Um, uh, so wait, this is the last question before we got into the career. So Bex phoned you up and says, come on, Lois, me and you go for a beer. You wouldn't have one? Oh, no, I can't say no to that. Good. <laughs> Whatever he says, I'm going. Right, I'm going to text Bex, mate. We'll get you an alky before this year's finished. Uh, right, the career. Originally picked up by Rangers as a youth player, mate. What was that? Just playing Sunday Boys Club and the Rangers Scout came and watched you? Yeah, so my boys club was actually like, a wee bit strange. It was like called first touch. So we didn't play like competitive games at all like ever um, so there was actually quite a few boys from that it was like an academy that ended up going professional um, not sure, like Robbie Crawford and like a few boys like that so um, but yeah we ended up playing I signed for like another boys club just to be able to play games and then was picked up by Rangers like quite a young age like 8 years old maybe 8 or 9 So who else was at Rangers that you came through with Robbie Crawford anybody else that would know maybe a couple of years older you that um, so Liam Kelly's obviously at QPR now he's been involved in the Scotland squads and stuff he was my age he was my goal he watches this as well was he hopeless no to be fair to him like, I can't even give him that he was good um, he? growing up yeah and then obviously Craig Halkett was the year above and he's obviously he's at Hearts um, doing well but it's hard to come through at Rangers like most of the boys that are playing at like the better levels now are boys that got released um, and went elsewhere and kind of made it through other clubs because it's so tough at like Celtic and Rangers to break through. No, oh, you're telling me, mate. That's why I'm sitting here. Um, how was it? How was the coaching academy at Rangers? Who was good coaches that stood up for you? Yeah, I mean, try to think. Coming through, Alan Boyd, like Alan Kernahan, I'm not sure. Um, well, Alan Kernahan, the big centre half, eh? he can be quite good. Yeah, psychopath. He was off his head. Um, um, and then towards the end of it, it was like Billy Kirkwood, Jim Sinclair, things like that. And then that's kind of when it all went downhill for me. See, when you were saying about Alan Kernan being a bit of a psycho, like, how harsh could he be on young kids like yourself? I remember he would like send like 13, 14 year old boys in from training for like not tracking runners. Like, <laughs> and you get, and I remember he used to do this drill like in the warm up where he would stand like next to the post and have like, as I say, like 12 or 13 year old boys and we were lining up at the 18 yard box and he would just start throwing balls at our head. We had to run and just head it as hard as we could right back at him. He's a madman, but like... Um... But see, Billy Kirkwood is out, so did they not take to you, the older coaches? 
By that point, no. So like when we got to what would have been under 17s, I got put back a year. So I was like with the under 15s. Well, like uh, the fact that in school you got put back a year. <laughs> like Slaney at school, you got put back a year. Uh, and do you know who else done the same? Greg Taylor is obviously flying at Celtic now. He was the same. So he was the year below me and he was put back. So at that time, he would have been like under 14s. Um, and yeah, like I couldn't even get a game for the 15s, like being the year older. I'd come on for like 10 minutes at the end of the game. Um, no way. Yeah, so, and I think Greg was in a similar position where you didn't, even going a year down, you weren't even guaranteed to play. Um, but at that point at Rangers, like the culture was very much like bigger boys and I was tiny, like um, for my age group, I was probably like, the smallest player in the country. So I went down there, didn't do well, like at the, at the lower age group. Um, so towards the end of my time like, with Billy Kirkwood and that, I just never played. Um, so... There you go. Any young players watching me, it just showed you. Because that Kieran Tierney was the same at Celtic, eh? Couldn't even get a game for his own age group. Yeah. So at that time, did you ever, did you ever feel like just chucking it? At, at that point, no, because I'm just playing for, like, the fun of it at that age. Mm-hmm. Like, um, obviously, like, you're disappointed not to be playing and stuff. So um, I always kind of had it in the back of my head that I would have to leave at some point or I eventually I got released, which was the best thing that happened to me. But... Um, like yeah like your progress just goes so far back when you're not playing and for like two years there I probably never really kicked the ball so um yeah leaving there sorry mate Rangers were in financial meltdown at that time we've heard for a few first team boys what was it like young boy there at Rangers when all that was going on I mean yeah well obviously I was in a different boat to like some of the other boys in my team like I think Tom Walsh Danny Stoney a couple boys at that been in when they were in the third division and they managed to get a couple of games but for me like I was miles off I was nowhere near any of that stuff so um but yeah like obviously it was a tough time for everyone but the boys like that were in my team were certainly thought there might be a chance here for us to go and play um which didn't really materialise and then was Kev Kyle there? I, he would, <laughs> he's why Danny Stoney didn't play um, <laughs> I, he would have signed when I was there but at that age, I, I was nowhere near the first team or anything like that. Like, I was on the way out. Um, so it didn't really affect me too much, to be honest. Can you remember how much he, he ate at lunch? <laughs> um, usually he would go in first and other boys never got to go get a lunch. We had to bring a wee back lunch in. <laughs> Were you still doing boys' boots in that list? No, so I didn't even get to, like, that age. At that Did point. you know that? No, so I left. I would have been like 16 maybe when I got released. So I'd done all that at like St Mirren. I came up with all that there. So at Rangers, it was just kind of youth football for me, not um, not anything really beyond that. Do you remember the day you got released for Rangers? I, so it's a weird one. Um, you know it's coming. Like, um, so Talk to me a lot, mate. I know it's coming. I, it got towards the end of the season. I've not heard of anything. Um, and usually at that age, it's like, I was going to get offered like full-time deal or not and you hear other boys have been offered it and I've not been offered anything but I'd been at the club for like nine years at this stage um, and I get a letter through the door in my house and it's like an invitation to those exit trials like at Hamden but the Rangers haven't even said anything at this stage and I'm only like 16 years old so um, I, I found out by a bit of paper through the door like <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? Be, 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 like, emotional? To be honest, like, no, like, it was more my mum. I remember my mum being emotional about it, but 
like it was kind of a weight off my shoulders because I knew it was coming for so long, and it was a bit of a relief. And because you're just clinging on to, oh, maybe I will get offered something, but um, yeah. Then eventually, like a week after I got that letter, like Jim Sinclair was the head of youth at the time, like called me in and said, um, obviously I was getting released, but yeah, I found out through a, a letter I got through the door. So that's and us, me, isn't it? And then some fun. Now, I always wonder this because I take young kids at Celtic and, you know, when they get released from Celtic, they, they think it's the worst thing in the world. See, when you get released from Rangers, the facilities that you have there, and then yeah. you go to is it a culture shock? I mean, yeah, a little bit, but at that point, so actually, I went to those exit trials and, like, there was a few clubs, I think. I ended up going to, like, Partick and St Mirren, but Partick was even worse because, like, you would get changed at the stadium, then get a bus to the training ground. So that was like a big shock for me. But St Mirren at least had like their own facility, you know. So it wasn't that bad. Obviously, it's a completely different scale to Rangers. But um, yeah, like to be honest, it was it was just about getting back to playing. I hadn't played in like two years at that stage, so um, I loved it. So you just last bit on Rangers. Did you get to like, speak to the first team players or anything there? Nah, no. I was, as I say, I was miles off it. So. <laughs> that is when you know your miles off right? you uh, can't even get to them no. um, who was uh, who, so who was in that youth team at St Mernon um, so we had like, me Stevie Mallon um, Jack Bird was still playing there but like in our under 20s team obviously McGinn had kind of kicked on to the first team Kenny was maybe like a year older we had like Jason Naismith Sean Kelly um, a couple of really good players that are obviously doing alright for themselves at the moment um, but so we had, on, on Kenny and John McGinn, sorry to interrupt you, mate. On Kenny and John McGinn, could you tell that even back then that we, they could play at that sort of level that they're playing at now? Yeah, I mean, with McGinn it was more about like driving, like he's so strong and athletic and stuff, but like Kenny, when you would train with the first team, he was like so good on the ball, he was so money as well though, like see a young boy going up and training with him, like didn't want to give the ball away ever because he was on you, but to be fair that's like... It's good from the older boys to be on the younger boys, but he was bad for it. Probably worse than Gowser at the time. Probably oh, you did with Gowser? Yeah, like I was there for one year with him. Like I was youth team, but I would train quite often with the first team. And um, no, Kenny was harder than, than him, I think. Was he? So what, Kenny, Kenny McLean would proper give you? I'm not sure if it was just me, but like I remember him like being tough. Like you would never want to be in this team in training, like because if you'd done anything wrong, he was on you. But um, yeah, and then McGinn's obviously flying now. Um, but yeah, he was just different. Like, he's one of the centre mids that like, drives with the ball, so um, he stood out as well. What about in terms of the first team terrorising you off, like in the changing rooms and stuff like that? Did that go on back then? I was kind of getting to the end of that. Like, obviously, I'm sure now it's a bit different there. But yeah, we had like Stevie Thompson and all that running the changing room. So the young boys got it. Like, um, yeah, we got it quite bad. Obviously, you do like singing in that at Christmas. It was carnage. Like, had the boys doing all sorts. Um, but yeah, like it was a good change in them. And then obviously, eventually, I became part of that. So, um, but yeah, St. Mirren had like they had good players and a good year set up then. Who was Jim Goodwin there as well? Yeah, Jim Goodwin was there as well. He kind of he ended up being like the manager along with Gary Teal at one point. Um, like still playing and all that. It was a wee bit weird, but yeah, so Goody and, and Tomo were like the two kind of main players in the changing room. So whose boots did you do at St Mum? And Tomo's, because I knew we got, well, the first year, I'm not sure who I'd done, but the second year of like my under-20s, like Teal and Tomo were the ones that had the cash, so I thought, clean the air, but still getting both. He went to be absolutely minted, didn't he? 
Oh, yeah, big time. And I knew if I cleaned the air, I'd be getting a good bonus because at that point you're on, you don't make any money. So, um, uh, how much did they give you? How much, how much was it? You remember how much you got? I gave like 250 quid or something, Tomo, similar. And that's like two months' wages back then when you added them both up. So, um, I, I picked them wisely. Mate, 250 each, that's brilliant, isn't it? I think it was something like that, £250, £200 each. But I knew that, like, that's why I made sure I had their boots at the start of the year. You're no daft, young man, you're no daft, I love it. Uh, any deals with Danny Lennon? We've heard some great stories about Danny Lennon on here. I remember him, like, he would do, I think there's been people on here said it before as well, like, he loved doing that insanity, the workout. So, like, he would do that insanity, but he'd just have his like, pants on. And if you walk past the gym at the wrong time and like caught eyes with him, he's like, you can get in here. Like, we're doing insanity. She'd be doing insanity with Danny Lennon. He's got nothing on. And then after it, he'd be like, right, well done. Like, go clean my car now. So you'd be out in the car. And you'd be like, Danny, like, Gaffer, I've got training. Like, like, people would be like, oh, where's Lewis or where's whoever? And you're like, oh, he's cleaning the Gaffer's car. And then the next day, he'd bring his wife's car in. And you'd be cleaning her car as well. Like, um, but yeah, yeah, he's on, I, I, but he's in good shape back then as well. So, mate, he's right. I think he's still right now. Yeah, he was shredded back then. Is it true he used to have like his initials and all his clothes in that, didn't he? Aye, everything DL. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, like on it, we didn't even wear them about the training ground. They just used to walk about naked the, the whole time. Um, is it? Is it true? About Danny? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That. <laughs> I'm always joking. Uh, I spoke to Gary Evan today. We're going to come to Stephen Thompson now. Um, was it Alex Ray when Alex Ray was the manager and he used to send Tom to take the warm up 10 minutes early? Tom would. Uh, Tom had us doing all sorts of stuff in warm ups. I like, don't know if you've ever had any dealings with him, but he would like come out to the warm up, you would put in a warm up one, Tom would like, go on a headstand. Like, Boys would laugh and all that, and then after like 30 seconds, it's not funny anymore. And we were doing a warm up, Tomo would just like stay in this headstand for five, six minutes, go up face bright red, fall down, like just lie on the ground for 10, 15 minutes. We finished the warm up doing the passing drill, and Tomo was like away over the other side of the pitch. Like, holding the headstand, we were using the headstand himself, or he would like we'd do a warm up, we would just set off sprinting around the pitch as fast as he could until we collapsed, and then that would be him done for like. Until the the games end of training or something, but um, no, obviously he had the relationship. Sorry, I need He had the relationship with like Alex Ray and Ian Murray before, like he played with them, so he probably had a wee bit of leeway. But wild. Was there no ones he made you hold your hands as well? Hold everyone's everyone had to hold each other's hands. Sounds like him. I can't remember, but definitely would do something like that. Aye. See that dressing room. Obviously, there was big characters there. See, like with Paul McGowan in that. As I know, was there ever fights in that in that team? Um. To be honest, when it was Paul McGowan, like, I was a younger boy, so I'm not sure, but I remember Gowser, like, he was arguing with anyone, wasn't he? So he's nearly gotten an arg- like a fight with Davy Longwell, who was the head of youth at the time, mm-hmm. over something, because we just, he would have us in, Davy Longwell would have us in nine to five every day, and I think Gowser's, like, whisk, like shouted at the window, like, oh, boy's in the night shift today, Davy, and he just, like, Davy's got a short temper, he's clipped, like, ran out of our training, like, right into, like, the car parts trying to find Gowser, but he didn't go to the drive, he's in a taxi, he's gone. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, nah, to be fair, like, there was big characters, but there was never fights or anything like that. What a boy. Uh, right, I need to ask you, mate, Jemba Jemba. Weirdest signing ever, like, how, how was he? Was he bothered or could he not be asked? No, nah, so, like, we've signed him 
And I think we were playing Dundee United that weekend, like with the like first team had Dundee United, um, and they've signed them and say like the Thursday or Friday. So it was late on in the week, but obviously that was a massive signing for St Mirren at the point so, at the time. So they wanted them fit. So they made the young boys come back at like, and it was like, we done a really late session in the afternoon just so he could get like a session in before the game. So he turns up and we're thinking, obviously he didn't have that good a reputation in England, but we're thinking he's going to be a joke at this level. So he turns up with a like luminous green nitro charges, I remember. <laughs> we done, we're doing that crossing and finishing drill, just like the simple centre mid, like switch it to the, to the winger, hit the box. So he rolls out his feet, sclaps it out of the pitch. And we're like, all right, he's not played in a while. Like, rolls another one, like, balls it along the ground. It takes him about five passes to, like, hit the winger. Then we play, got to Dundee United, he's starting. Half, first half, he's had a nightmare. I think Chiftry done and down the line. Like, was it fault for two goals, never played again. But, wow. hey, he would play with, like, the under-20s and, like, um, Obviously, when you were saying like Tommy Gravison would like hang about the reserves, she was the same. He'd like the boys would go to Nando's, sit with Eric Jemba Jemba, and all that. Like, <laughs> Wait, I can't believe you couldn't sing a boy wide. No, I couldn't. Like, no technique. He was hopeless. Wow. Um, obviously, he played it like Man U under Sir Alex and Champions League and all that. So, would he tell you his Man United stories? No, he used to always tell us that uh, Ronaldo was going to come to Paisley <laughs> for the last game of the season if his season had finished in time but like Real Madrid ended up winning the Champions League and he was like oh he was going to come as well like <laughs> he wanted to come and see the boys what a load of shit Eric <laughs> but I need to ask you about this as well because I was speaking to Stephen McGinn today and he's is this true Alex Miller told you that you'd be playing junior football aye he did um, so what age were you then I'd have been maybe 18 or 19 so it was like Ian Murray's like season, um, Ian Murray gets the sack, and Alec Miller became like the man, well, the interim manager. So, under Ian Murray, we were a shambles, get beat like 3 0 every week. Um, and I, I would never play, so we've done like video on like the game from the weekend before. And at the end of it, Alex Miller's like, right, all the boys that started like go out to train, like the other boys stay in here. So, we we're like, oh, what's he going to speak to us about? We don't play, and he's like, um oh, this club's obviously not in the best place at the moment. Um, ideally, we wouldn't have any of you like near the first team, but it's just how it is. He was like, most of you will probably be playing like junior football in the next couple of years, but that's just how the club is at the moment. And then he finished it by saying, like, there's another 20s game tomorrow. Like, I want you all to play in it, but I'm not going to watch it. Like, um, just do it for yourself. Like, I'm not going to take notice of it. None of you are going to play here. And then he was just basically... But like we were, we hadn't even been playing. The boys that were starting were getting beat three 0 every week. So, um, but thankfully, it didn't last long. Send him a picture of your medals now, young man. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, see, back then when you were a kid, would you ever be the type that would answer back to someone like that, or were you were you quite quiet? Not that. Like at that one, like I was just like, "What's this guy talking about?" I've not even played a minute. Um, but I was one. Under like Ian Murray, like I would go and ask like if, why I wasn't playing all the time, and he'd be like, "Oh, you're not." Right? And then, like someone would have like not play well, get dropped, and someone else would play, and then I'd be knocking the door again. But obviously back then you just want to play. Like probably shouldn't have done it, but um, yeah, I would always be at the manager's door like asking. No, quite right, mate. You should do it. that's brilliant. Uh, your debut came in 2014, 2015. Tommy Craig 
Uh, he only lasted a few months. How was he? Good coach, yeah? in Newcastle. You that worked out. Yeah. Amazing coach. Um, it was quite a, it was a weird one because obviously Danny had done so well. Um, he'd won the cup and then I think finished like eighth, which is one of St Mirren's or if not St Mirren's highest to the finish. And then he gets like I think at the time St Mirren were like just what maybe a wee bit too ambitious and they thought oh we should be doing better than that. So Tommy was like like the first team coach and he became the manager and just didn't really translate like he just wasn't the manager type he was more a coach um so yeah like the recruitment in that that summer wasn't great either so um yeah like that was probably that season was a bit pretty much a disaster but he was like a great coach as you say uh, in the men's dressing room though you enjoy it obviously you're, i think you're quite were you quite quiet as a young kid uh, as a kid i would have been quite quiet yeah um but at that point like as i say tomo and goody are running the sh- like the changing room like you you wouldn't have got a word in even if you wanted to um but yeah like changing room is mad like just that difference from under 20s to the first team i mean to be fair i felt like the first team was a little bit more serious i mean under 20s changing rooms are chaos like yeah um just when you're in there all day just in stupid stuff but um yeah the first team changing was a bit se- like more serious there wasn't actually too many like crazy stories even with tom on that about but um, Did you ever get an elbow off Goodwin in training? All the time, I. He's a madman. He's the nicest guy in the world off the off the pitch as well. But on the pitch, he's chaos. Yeah. Would Nidia ever have a go back at Goodwin if they elbowed him around? I just got on with. Nah, no one would have said anything to him. Nah. He is a hard man, isn't he? Yes, I used to hate going against him. Uh, right, I need to ask you. We've had this guy on the podcast as well, Greg Wild. Uh, was he as thick as he is now back then? Aye. 100%. Like, I remember the boys having one of the, do you remember those like Twitter pages? It was like Spoderman. Like, I think Kenny McLean and that ran one called Grog Waldy or something had like this picture of him like on Twitter. Um, <laughs> just like saying stupid stuff. Like, yeah, he's stuck. I mean, I remember um, we played, I don't know, maybe like a Motherwell or something at home and he's like, control the ball out of the pitch or something. And the fans like having a go at him and he's like turning back to the fan like, what are you getting at Baldy and all that? Like, <laughs> during the game they were throwing it in the, on the counter Greg Wildey's fucking arguing with the fans but yeah I mean he's a good guy like great guy did he ever give it the Rangers show or not? no he didn't to be fair to him like could have done but no he was he was actually quite quiet as well like he wasn't too loud or anything like that mm-hmm. uh, how was it getting relegated was that horrible I think you made eight appearances that year yeah I mean like you could see it coming from, see from like Christmas time and then obviously Kenny goes to Aberdeen um, and like he was the only one at the point at that time scoring any goals. Um, so at that point you knew you knew you were in trouble. Um, and to be kind of selfish at the point, I wasn't I wasn't playing all the time at that age. Um, but I was thinking the whole time if we go down here, I'll play next year or I'll have more of a chance to play. Like obviously I wanted the club to stay up, but once it it was quite bleak. Like when you were going down fairly early on so I was just kind of thinking next year will be good for me or should be anyway and then you said obviously never played much under Ian Murray why do you think that was? I'm not sure to be honest like I am um, he liked me at the start and I was playing at the start and then just out of nowhere I, I remember putting an injury up in pre-season and then when I got back fit just never was never involved and then like then like argue with it wasn't that we like ever clashed heads of that, but didn't really get on that well either. Um, and he'd always have me playing like under twenties games, and then I would tell him I wasn't playing in them, and then it was just 
um, yeah, it wasn't ideal. See, at that age, like, did you ever think about going out on loan or did you ever worry where your, where your career was going? I mean, not really, but like, at that time, all the loans were kind of done through Davy Longwell, who was ahead of youth. And like, there was always whispers of me going out on loan, but it was like, it was, I never got the feeling that it was ever actually going to happen. Like, like I was ever actually going to go on loan. Like, I felt like the club kind of wanted to keep me there and I'm not sure what the reasoning was behind it. Um, it was probably because Davy at the time was like a big advocate. I mean, he wanted me to play, so he was always pushing me towards like to Ian Murray or Alex Ray saying I should have been playing. So I don't think he wanted me to ever leave in case like I maybe missed the chance to like break into the team if there'd been an injury or anything. That God for Davy Longwell, mate. Eh? Uh, Alex Ray comes in as well. Again, we've had him on here, madman. Uh, you ever see him lose it in the dressing room? He'd lose it every week. Like he could go and. Um, What's the worst you've seen? Can you remember the worst you've seen him go? I remember we got beat 3-1 off like Queen of the South or something. And this was towards, like, I think it might have been the start of that, like the season when we didn't start too well under him. Because he'd actually done well the season before. Um, and we hadn't started too well. And Queen of the South beat his 3-1 at home or something. And he's come in, he's calling us all at ballers and all that, spitting all over the changing room. See that way he spits and like, eventually there's no saliva coming out. He's just making the noise. <laughs> Um, the jet, even the dressing room he was spitting yeah he, like everywhere like that's all like, like he loves spitting but like I, I loved him as a manager as well like he was good for me but he would crack all the time like especially at that point when we were losing I felt like he was just his standards were so high like in training and he would be like oh like take the ball here like I would nutmeg Vieira and put it in the top bin like, I've done this at Highbury like <laughs> <laughs> None of you can fucking do anything type thing. Um, I love that, man. But yeah, like, he loved the big time shoot, but he could still play as well in training. Like, so would he join in every day in training? Like, you wouldn't like join in, but say there's been like a bad touch or bad, like if the game's gone shite, he would like jump in and just run the show or like, <laughs> like just no one getting near him. Um, but he had so much ability. Like I always thought of him as just like a grafter, like tackling, but... He's a player, like. Oh, he, he loves it. He loves a big time, like money shouting that as well, didn't he? I loved it all. He was had the biggest time shouts that out the whole club. Um, Any other ones you know you can remember? I love big time shouts, mate. It's, uh, people think it's big time, but it's only for a laugh, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's only for a laugh. He would, he would just always drop names about like, oh, just do this, like I done against. He would just say throw names in like Lampard or whatever, Vieira. He said that. I would just go. Through the legs, like <laughs> I mean, but you could see he had ability. Are you surprised that he never went on to do better in management, Alex? Yeah, to be fair, because when he came in at St. Mirren, as I said, like that was after Ian Murray, and he kept us up that year comfortably. Um, starting next year, I think he only got like four games in charge, like in the league. Um, but like I liked him, but he was he was so demanding on boys, like. So I'm not sure everyone took to it, um, but his standards were so high. So we were never, like at that level, we were never going to be able to play how he wanted us to play, really. Uh, and see, when he left, was there any like, was there any bad feeling between him and the players when he left? Did you have a big meeting where he, he kind of went through a few boys? I can't even remember. I mean, I don't think he went through boys, to be honest. I think he had a bit of like bad blood with like the club itself, because obviously he kept them up the year before. And then he'd only got like four games in charge, like um, at the next season. But I, I kind of always felt there was like 
a cloud above his head or like um, if things weren't going to go well, the club were just going to move on to someone. Like I kind of always got that feeling. I'm not sure why, but um, I'm not sure if they'd maybe thought, oh, this is a chance to get like Jack Ross in at the time or whatever. And then the saviour, mate, your dad, Jack Ross. Did you know Jack Ross before he came? No, I didn't actually know. And then, funnily enough, when he came, like, when he was, like, mixing up with the team, like, he dropped me, like, pretty, pretty much right at the start. Because we had, like, Kyle McAllister at the time who was flying as well, like, as a young boy. Um, yeah, and I was, like, one of the ones that got dropped. So, at the start, I was like, oh, I'm not sure he's taken to me, so. Um, See, even at yeah. the start, although you weren't playing, could you tell that he'd be a top manager? Yeah. How, I mean, how, how long in could you tell that? Probably within the first few sessions, like his training was that good. Um, and I mean, I know Brendan Rogers loves him and like would have him up at Lennox Town and like, because I think he'd take like his Aloha team to Parkhead like that, that same season and done well. Um, and he's like similar coaching style, like that's his like coaching like idol type thing. So he and takes all his... coaching idol, is yeah, it? Yeah, like loves him. Um, How would he tell you that? Hi, all the time. <laughs> what, what, what would he say? He would just be like, all of our team talks would be like on, or like if we were ever doing analysis, it would be like what Brendan was doing at Celtic or like is these drills are what he'd seen Brendan do at Lennox Town. Like, because Brendan used to always invite him up and they would like talk tactics, talk whatever it was. But like, he was very good. Obviously, I wouldn't compare him to Brendan in that. That's, I'm not going to be disrespectful. He's like in the Premier League with Leicester, but like he can certainly I'm not sure get to like be as successful as that you need a lot of luck but I felt I would hold him just as high in such like the same regard as what I would hold Brendan Rodgers in in terms of the you want to be high tempo possession boxes and and a bigger position it's good I've watched it I've watched a few of them they are good Um, was Potter his assistant at that time? no so Potter I was only with Potts at Sunderland I think he tried to get him but Dunfermline didn't let him come to St Mirren so it was so we, so we were just, James Fowler, right, okay. Um, Did you ever expect these to stay up that year? Because you were in trouble, weren't you? We were gone, like we were I think we were twenty-four points behind Wraith, like wow. at like Christmas time. Um and we obviously stayed up on the last day. I mean, when when that run's going on, like at the start of the season, you just think, oh, we've got time, it will fix itself. Like, because man for man, we are better than well, at least half the teams in the league, but um, time was like as time started running out, you do think like this is impossible to stay up. So see, then you said when he first came in, you never played. What changed? Like at what stage of the season did he start playing you? So it was actually like it wasn't. I wasn't playing for a long period of time. I came in and I think we played like East Fife away in like the Scottish Cup, and I didn't play, but I came on and scored two. Um, and we went through and then I was still on the bench like the game after that we played like TNS in the cup came on and like done well in the game um, and then from there I was just back in the team so it was only for like a couple of weeks that I wasn't playing but um, yeah at the start I was one of the first team first people to get dropped Wow and it's even with Jack Ross back then would you go and chat his door as well? Not really because obviously he's just came to the club and I think at the time he, he was quite good with me. Like he told me before, like these games, listen, 
you've played a lot of football or whatever, like I'm going to drop it just to freshen things up. And that's one thing I would say about him is like, even the boys that don't play, keep them on side well, like, um, which is obviously kind of the hardest thing to do as a manager, I think. Uh, so you said 24 points behind. At what stage did you think, right, this is possible now? We, so I think we sold 10 and got 10 new players in in January and it was obviously a risk and he'd said it like, Wow. It was like, I think he signed like, we signed Stelios, like that left back off yeah. of just my scout. Like, there was no, like, he'd never seen anyone, just had to go for it because we had nothing to lose. And then we were just flying. Like, we, would be, we were beating Hibs, Dundee United, and McGinn probably changed it all. Like, we signed him in January um, and made him captain. And from there, like, he was probably hit, like, he was probably the reason that we stayed up, to be honest. What's there? What's Stelios like as a character? Because he, uh, he had that chocolate. Was it chocolate bar yet? At Morton Away, yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get with him. Like, um, but yeah, he's a wild guy. Like, loved the fans. Like, one of them, he played up to the fans all the time. But, um... <laughs> yeah, I absolutely hate it. And then, was it the last day? It was pure dramatic, wasn't it? Last day, I, I remember we were playing. Hibs at Easter Road and I think Wraith were playing Air United who were already down and we heard a cheer after like two minutes and I've asked like Fow what's happened and he's saying oh Wraith goalkeeper's just been sent off like two minutes into the game and it's a penalty but they missed the penalty but we thought oh Wraith must be getting beat so like we're just kind we're not like chilling but like all the Hibs boys like I remember saying like don't worry like we don't care like and we'll fuck it off, you'll draw, like you'll stay up, stop like being busy. <laughs> so start again, we are flying about the shop. Um okay. then we get in at half time. We get in at half time, like we're all buzzing because we think Wraith are losing. They're like, oh Wraith are winning one 0 And we were like, oh no. So we <laughs> we go out to start a second half and I remember like Holt for Hibs is like oh, stop let's like, stop being busy, stop running about, we're not gonna score. I think he then scored like five minutes later or like and we were like, oh no, like we're going down. And then we equalised. Jason Cummins like hits the post right after, and I think Air scored like late, late goal. And then we stayed up because of it. Um, but yeah, that was probably like the bit, like my best like day, like in football, like once we stayed up, like with the fans and stuff. What was the dressing room like after that? Uh, mad, but like it was crazy. But I remember Lennon being fuming. Because he was a Hibs manager and like they were getting the trophy that day, and he was fuming like big time. Um, but like all the Hibs boys were like buzzing because they were getting the trophy. We stayed up like, um, but yeah, it was it was mad. So did you just go in Edinburgh? Or was it back to Glasgow? Back to Paisley? Back to Paisley. We went out to like the bank house, like uh, it's a bar called the Bank House Bar or something. Um, all the Samaritan fans were there, and to be fair, like it was wild, like all night. Um, McGinn was loving it as well. Yeah. McGinn? I, so he was probably the reason we stayed up, to be fair to him. So. Yeah. Would Jack Ross have a beer in that way? Aye, he would. He was good like that. What a man. Uh, right, mate, the Celtic move comes about. When did you hear about Celtic's interest at first? Was it towards the end of that season? Um, so we played Celtic in the Cup the year before. I think we got beat 4-1 or something, but we done well. Like we were winning 1-0 until quite late on with St Mirren when we were bottom of the league. Um, and that was Brent- when Brendan Rodgers says it was the best performance he's seen at Celtic Park in a while. Yeah. Uh, and Brendan Rodgers spoke to me after the game. Nothing like he was just speaking to me, but he spoke to me for like a couple of minutes, like on the pitch. Um, I didn't really read anything into it. 
And then that summer, I think Burton Albion had bid and they were in the championship at the point. So I'm saying to like St Mirren, like, I want to go like playing the champ. And Jack Ross at that point had told me, don't go like you like a, like Celtic are interested, I think. So just stay here for another year and you'll probably go there. Um and Did I just you think Brendan Rogers told that told him that on one of their sleepovers. <laughs> I think so. Uh, um, but I mean, I just trusted them. I was just like, well, like he'd been good to me, so I just I, I wasn't too fussed. I just said, well, the club rejected all the bids. I stayed, and then pretty early on, I started that season well. I was flying, and then I knew from like maybe September time that I was probably going to go there. Thirteen goals, mate, in the first half of the season. Where were you playing wide? So was, was Jack Ross, is he a big one for you? Goals, I want to see goals for you. Yeah, he was. I mean, the season before, I probably only became like a goal scorer when he came because under like Alex Ray, I'd scored a few, but not a lot. And then he came in from like January to the end of that season before, I'd scored like 10 goals maybe. And then the start of that next season, um, it was the same. And you know how it is like for attacking players, if you score, I get assists. That's all that matters, really. If you're like wanting a move, it doesn't matter how how like how well you're playing. Yeah. So when did you actually get a concrete interest from Celtic? It must have been about November time, maybe. Um, and I'm trying to think how it all happened. I'd heard so much, and like every day, we in fact, what had happened, we played England under twenty ones, like with Scotland, and at that point, like I was flying, like. Probably the best of best football I've played, um, and we played Trent Alexander Arnold played, and I was up against him, and I done really well. Yes, what ripped him a new hole on it? After that, but at this point, my my contract's running out in six months or like eight months, whatever it was, and obviously all the England teams from England were watching the game. So as soon as that game happened, like it was at that point, it was like a new club every day. We're like getting in touch with my agent. What clubs yeah. can you tell us? What kind of clubs are we talking? Like, I don't think it would have been like Bournemouth, Palace, Wolves, to be fair. Most of the teams in the Championship, I think my agent spoke to like every single one. Because I was free, it wasn't like a risk for them. Yeah. Um, but because of that, like the interest there, it kind of, I feel like that kind of forced like Celtic's hand a bit. Um, and then quite soon after, like I met Brendan Rodgers at Celtic Park and stuff like that. And then after speaking to him, like, you know, I knew that's where I wanted to go. What What was, uh, what did he say to you when he met you? Um, we met at Celtic Park and I remember I'd never been, like, drove to Celtic Park in my life. So he'd arranged it for, like, half five at night, which is, don't know why you'd arrange a meeting that's in Glasgow at that time, like, try to get through the traffic. So I've left, like, thought I'll get there early, I'll get there plenty in time, let in plenty of time. And as I'm getting closer to the stadium, like, I'm not moving, like, my like I'm in traffic and I'm just looking at the time thinking I can't you're be late. Yourself. I'm phoning my agent saying I'm turning this car around because I'm going to be late. Like I'm not turning up late. And he, so my agent's then phoning Peter Lawwell telling him, oh, listen, he's in traffic. Like he'll be there as soon as he can. So I think I arrived like maybe half an hour, 40 minutes late. No way. And I was like, there's no point in me going in here because like I was shiting myself like, I'm going to turn this car around because this, this doesn't look good at all. Um, but it was all right because I wasn't his... Do you, do you know Stan Barfield as well? 
No, I, I stayed in Gurok, so I was. Um, but I like when I get there, it was probably all right because like I wasn't his player, and like he was trying to convince me to sign for the club, so it's kind of like a free hit. But once I had signed for the club, like he reminded me of it, like when I went back in, like for pre season and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was that night, you never mentioned it, eh? No, I didn't. He just said, Don't worry about it, and then. Once I'd signed, I think I went in and like the first thing is like, oh, you've made it in in time. Like you can't be late at this club or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, See, when I you mean, like, the first time, what was he wearing? A suit? Aye, suit the whole thing. Yeah, he he always looked sharp to be fair. Um, but he's, I uh, like, when you talk, talk to him, some talker funny. Aye, when you talk to him, like, like he makes you want to sign for him. At that point, you think you're the best player in the world after talking to him. So. Um, See, when you yeah. meet him, see for him to convince you to come to Celtic, is it a big PowerPoint presentation or is it just you and him sitting talking? Talking, but he had like a whiteboard, like, and he was drawing in the whiteboard, like all his ideas, everything, um, and stuff like that. I mean, it, the meeting was probably about an hour, an hour and a half, um, just me and him talking for for that amount of time. See, when you meet a, a manager, obviously he was a Liverpool manager and all that, are you say, do you say much or is it pure awkward? No, I said nothing. Like, I just agreed with everything he was saying. I don't even know what he was talking about half the time I was agreeing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, as I say, you could talk anyone into signing. Like, yeah. and like, even with the other clubs interested, when I spoke to him, especially being like a Scottish boy, being able to like stay at home or, or like stay, live close to home as well um, and play for a massive club. So it was a no-brainer. What about Rangers? Was there any interest from Rangers in bringing you back? I mean, Rangers had been on to like St Mirren a few times, and like I remember St Mirren letting them know, um, we've accepted a bid from Celtic. Like, if you're wanting to make a bid, but at that time, I don't even think they had a manager, or Murray might have been the manager. So they were like, "Oh no, we're going to wait and see what's happening." And then at that point, I was just like, "Well," and I mean, at that time as well, Celtic. The choice in Celtic Rangers was a no-brainer with Brendan Rodgers and everything going on at that club. So, um, you know, Murray taught Stephen Thompson the headstands. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <Right, I mean. laughs> Not taught him, I think, actually. Brilliant. Uh, was that a bit surreal to putting a Celtic jersey on? Obviously, you were at yeah. as a kid. How, was, was there any? Was there any worries about that? Not really, to be honest. Like. To be fair, within me putting the strip on, getting the photo and all that, within five minutes, I'm on the back page of like the Daily Record with my Rangers strip on from like being a youth player. Like, um, Wait, that's, that's ruthless for the Daily Record. I, I didn't get off to a good start, um, but yeah, like at the moment, at that point in time, you're just buzzing, like thinking you've signed for a massive club and um, I think everything's going to go playing, but obviously it didn't, it didn't go the way I wanted. Right, come on, tell us how much were you on a week? If you're not, compare that changing it. <laughs> uh, was, were you no bothered that you were getting sent back to St Mum? Was that your idea or was it the club's idea? So, it actually worked out well for me because St Mirren had been pretty clear that they weren't selling me. Like, because at that point, they just wanted promotion and we were quite close to Dundee United. Like, I think we were maybe like two points clear. So they had said, like, if we can't agree a fee with like a loan back, we'll just let you sign a free contract with someone because it's not worth like, what would it be, 250 grand? Like it's worth more for them to get into the SPL. So 
Celtic were actually all right. I think just because Celtic wanted to keep like a good relationship with St Mirren and vice versa, Celtic paid what would have been like the pre-contract fee and let me stay on loan. And then that way I was also getting paid by Celtic at that time as well. So it worked out best for everyone. But yeah, I was never going to be allowed to go from like to Celtic that window. I think Celtic eventually asked St Mirren if like Mikey Johnson or something could have went on loan because Johnny broke his leg and they wanted me earlier. Right. But were like, no, like, um, we want we want to keep him here because we want to try and get promoted. So you went and won the league with St Mirren? So won the league with St Mirren, yeah. Must be glad that you actually got to finish what you'd started, mate. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, St Mirren are still like, they're like the first club I look for. Like, the results, I always look up on them because I like, love my time there. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that I was able to play a part in that. Maybe finish your career off there, mate. Maybe. <laughs> that would be decent. Uh, you also got selected for Scotland at that time as well, mate. Flying. Uh, Peru and Mexico at the end of the season. How was it? Was it a big holiday? Peru was weird. Like, I mean, it was a long trip as well. I think we were away for like nearly two weeks. And when we got to Peru, like, you've probably never been to Peru. Maybe you have. But like Lima's like chaos. So you're not, we were told you're not allowed to leave the hotel. Like, you've always got to be in groups of like three or four. Um just because of like how much crime and stuff were there. We would go to training and like outside the training ground, there'd be like people with like, riot shields, like, and they weren't new riot shields had been used. So, who was that Griff? Hi, Griff. <laughs> oh, Griff didn't make that trip. Um, <laughs> but was he was the, but yeah, like obviously at that point was flying. Um, and yeah, like to play for your national team as well was brilliant. I've obviously not had. Been able to add to like get any more caps since, but I've been about the squad. And but I'm hoping now with like playing more regularly, hopefully I can get back into it. Who was it? Who were good lads at Scotland? Charlie, you had him on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, Mulgrew, he was oh, away. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, he's like when he's away with the with the squad, like everyone just wants to sit at his table and listen to his stories, like. The best. No, my stories, mate. He just steals them up. <laughs> steals them and tells them, but like the way he tells a story is amazing. So, um, yeah, like Charlie's, and then, um, I mean, the group's quite good now. Like I think boys had said before, like when you go away with Scotland, it's not like loads of different countries get buzzing to go away. Like I know Tom Roderick was saying, all the Australian boys are buzzing to see each other, but maybe because the Scottish boys see each other every week and play against each other, it's a bit different. But certainly now I feel like the squad's good and um, yeah, it's a good group. Is uh, is he like Pankies now? Does that not happen with international squads now? Nah, not at the moment. Nah, I don't think so. Need to get that back, mate. We need to get Slane in there, don't we? Uh, Right, Celtic, pre-season. Could you believe the standard when you went in? The thing is, like, at that time, like, coming from St Mirren, I was like, doing really well and then I obviously had the Scotland call-ups done well. When I went in, I just thought, oh, like, I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. Like, and to be fair, when I went in for pre-season, I felt fine. Like, I was, like, trained well and was playing in all the friendlies and then um, Brendan Rodgers had speaking to me every day saying that I was going to play, like, every game or most games. Um, At that point, I was flying, so, like... I probably wasn't looking at the standard being like, well, I shouldn't be here. Like, I was just thinking, oh, I'm playing with better players. It's going to make me better. Um, 
and then I picked up like a bad knee injury. Well, not too bad. But I needed surgery at the wrong time, and then um, I probably never got back to full fitness for probably about a year or so. I don't think. Yeah, you need to be better look, mate, didn't you? Who uh, who stood out to you straight away? Um, see, to be honest, Ryan Christie when I went, like he's Ryan's a good trainer, and like he's he stood out. Like obviously, Bruni like sets the standards when you get there, like. Even the warm-ups like 100 miles an hour, so it was crazy. But Ryan stood out a lot to me. And then, obviously, as the season went on, you see the Odson and things like that. Um, but, yeah, and, like, I mean, the list is endless. Like, all the boys there are, like, quality. Man, that was I went up to watch when I think you were maybe training. And even the warm-up, mate, like you say, it was like 100 miles an hour, eh? Yeah. Bruni just takes off flying. Like, like, his warm-ups are, like, compared to... Every, Every other club I've been to, like nothing compares to. He's so intense, such an intense guy. As soon as he's on the pitch, like he's just hundred percent all in. See, early doors, did did you ever get like reminded? It's a different level. Have you gave the ball away or not? Would Bruni get on you? Not really. To be fair, like Bruni was always good to me. Um, I mean, he's got that way about him that he doesn't really need to tell you. Like you know, if you give the ball away, like you know, he doesn't even need to say it. Like just him being. A part of the session, you don't like you're always have to be focused and be on it, so yeah. Uh, and then, and he asked you, uh, Brendan Rogers on the training pitch, how good? Uh, yeah, he is, he's probably the best, like in terms of his drills, everything. Like, he just made you believe, like, basically, there's no way we can lose like any game, like, with his tactics, stuff like that. Um, and like his coaching staff as well, there were amazing. Um, John Kennedy stuff like that like they're all brilliant um, so yeah they had a really good group what is uh, does Rogers take every or does Kennedy and it was Chris no. Davis as well wasn't it Chris Davis was there um, Rogers would take like the shape most like before the games but like he did leave quite a lot to like Kendo and um, and Chris Davis at the time and John Kennedy's like I know like Damon Duff was on and he was saying but he's Top coach, like, um, because he gets a bit of stick for Celtic fans, John Kennedy, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, I don't know why, like, all the boys love him as well. Like, um, everyone loves him, gets on well with all the players, and uh, I think, like, he's probably one of the best coaches as well that I've worked with. I mean, all the like coaches and staff there are top the top drawer. Uh, everyone we've had on said how good Rogers is. I've always wondered, has he got like a switch in him? If things haven't done right, can he can he change that nice guy and be be horrible? Yeah, he can. Like, I mean, he done it when I just got there. We started that season off poorly. Like, I, I was injured, so like I didn't. I'm not sure what he was like after the games when we were losing, but like, I think we lost two one against Kilmarnock, um, and he called like a team meeting after, and he was like hammering boys. Um, obviously, at the time we had like Dedrick Boyata, like. It like had a bid from Fulham or something, so he wasn't like he was injured or he wasn't injured, and like Roger just put his foot down, like need to know what's happening with you, um, just singling everyone out, um, and then from there, like because maybe the boys had seen it before, but with everything going so well, they probably hadn't. Like he could go, and I think boys were like kind of surprised by it. Um, well, it's quite intimidating when he does do it. Ah, uh, yes, to be fair, like, I mean, he's so calm, like, you would never know, but he, he can go, yeah. 
Maybe not like Alex Ray, but <laughs> did he ever? Did he ever date you? No, I, I I wasn't even playing enough really to like to get it. Um, I mean, I, I think I came on against St John's at one point, like back heeled it or something, and he went through me like just to myself though, like not in front of anyone. After the game came up, and was like that, ah, you can't be doing that. It was just like five yard back heel, or, I don't know, but he went through me for that. So, um, would anyone yeah. ever have a go back at Brendan Rodgers now? Yeah, never, no, never. Uh, I need to ask you about Griff, mate. I'll, I love him, mate. I think he's a funny boy. Any uh, funny stories with him? Try to get any funny stories. I mean... Is he in, like, the Greg Wilde car- car- category? No, Griff's, Griff's probably... Griff's actually a wee bit... Like, he's got a bit of... He's, he's not completely thick. Um, surprised me when he came on here how well he spoke, eh? Yeah, like, he speaks well and, like... To be fair, I don't have too many stories. Like, he actually... People probably think, like... Well, he's got a reputation for being like this loose cannon or whatever, but he's quite quiet and stuff at training. Um, just goes about his own business. And to be fair, like he's probably the best finisher I've ever. Like his left foot's like a rocket. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, but like if he can get back fit and playing, like he's obviously a massive asset to to Celtic. Uh, he's some player. Uh, back to Bruni. Uh, he the funniest guy in the changing room, probably. Aye, like he's just the life of the changing room. Um, I mean, when I was there, it wasn't so much like prankies or anything like that. Um, just always like having a laugh, having a joke with everyone. Um, be like seven in the morning, eight in the morning, and he's like 100% ready to go, like buzzing as if he's been up. He's like a kid that's first day of school or something. Every day at training, he's just buzzing to be there. Does he still terrorise like Kenny Masseurs and Ian Jameson and Jamie Church and that? Not really the day and where do the masseurs, but like Churchy gets it off everyone. Um, and Ian Jameson, like, they get it off everyone. So, um, anybody else? Anybody else you could laugh? Um, I mean, to be fair, like, Lustig was like really good laughing. I was there, like, there is like a good group of boys. Like, I mean, at Celtic, like, it's so serious, it's not like being in a, a submarine changing room or anything like that. Um, like boys are like switched on all the time, so it's a bit different. It's not so much like carry on or that as you would get like in any other changing room. I need to ask you. I forgot to ask you about something. Mum, you've just signed Gary McKenzie, screwball. Uh, any Gary McKenzie stuff? Because he says to me that you probably all hear a story about him. No, so he uh, he was a screwball, like <laughs> madman. Um, but he, I think he can't. Like he was snussed out his brain by the time he got to submit. So. I think he'd probably calm down a bit. He, like, he would recycle his snus, like when he was having his lunch, like take it out next to the plate, have a lunch, straight back in. Like, I think he was trying to become a wee bit mature. He'd come in like crosswords in the morning and stuff. He's trying to, pretend, trying to pretend to be someone he's not. Um, but yeah, like he's a crazy guy as well. Like, um, Madman, massive Rangers fan as well. Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Have you, have you seen him on a night out by drinking him? No. I mean... We didn't really get many nights out at Mirren, but like, he probably would never speak to me again because I signed myself to like. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, hey, you said that injuries. Uh, see, when you're injured, what, what's Rogers like with injured players? Because what you said with, with Jack Ross, I've heard that with Rogers, like guys that are involved, he's good at keeping them on yeah. Um, I mean, my injury was weird. So I needed surgery, but like, it's an issue I knew I had. Um, like, I had my knee issue like, in my medical with Celtic. Um, 
and they knew about it. But like I just told them I didn't want to get surgery on it. And then Rogers was like, You're better off getting the surgery now, like before the season starts, and then you'll maybe miss a couple of games and you'll be like a new signing basically. But when by the time I got back, we were in like a crisis. We've been put out Champions League qualifying and we've not started the season well. And I remember him like it probably didn't work out best for me because at that point he actually spoke to us and was like, this is, I'm going to go with a more settled 11 because he was rotating, giving boys a chance to play. And he was like, that's done now. Like, this is the team, basically. He was like, we're going to stick to this for a, for however long until like you can feel like we can start rotating it again. So, I mean, he was the one that told me to get the surgery and then obviously it kind of backfired on me. But So see when you got back fit and you weren't playing... Obviously, the loan comes to Sunderland. Is it you that goes to Brendan Noises or does he come to you? Um, trying to remember how it worked. I mean, like when you're back from like that injury, like you you need to play games. And Brendan wasn't one for like letting boys play like reserve football or under twenties. I don't think. Like, nah. So we would never play under twenties, even if you weren't playing like a minute for the first team, you wouldn't be involved. Why is that, Jim? I'm not sure to be honest. Like. Could be any number of reasons. Maybe he just wanted boys to be fresh for training to keep the starting eleven like ready or whatever. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely would have went to him and said about going on loan because I needed games because my knee just was every day in training wouldn't feel great. Um, and obviously, with Jack Ross being at Sunderland, I thought that's like because. I was going to go to Aberdeen, Hibs or Sunderland and Lenny had phoned me at Hibs um, and I'd spoke to McInnes but obviously with Jack Ross and like Sunderland were a massive club so I just went there. Did Jack Ross tell you to bring a pair of Brendan slips didn't we? <laughs> Brendan slips. I got a few in the case. Were you surprised at how big a club Sunderland as well? Mate, I watched that documentary as wild at. Yeah. I mean, they're a massive club but like when I was there, like you could tell it was not from like the management and playing side of it, but the club was like a bit of a shambles to be honest. Um, just didn't have like, a good feel about it. Like when you were there, it was quite negative. Like the dressing wasn't negative, but there was like groups. Like so, it was just like it was a hard team to like settle in and like play well in. Like just wasn't really a good fit. Well, did Jack Ross fix that though with the cliques and the? He did. He was quite good. So he got like most of like the big earners out, like as many of them as he could. But there were so many of them. Like when you've got boys on like forty odd grand a week in League One in England, that you're never going to get them get them out of the club. Um, and then obviously we had Aidan like McGeady, who like, I mean, I don't think English boys knew how to take him at all. So I've always seen them. I love Aidan's stories. What about Bristol City? He's ruthless. Like, I've never seen anyone that ruthless. He would come in, like, I think we drew maybe with, like, Burton Albion or something. And he comes into the change room and he's like, you just can't play in front of that. Burton Albion, Wednesday night, one each. You will never get any, you will never play any higher on this level. Like, yeah. like, and no one would say it to him. Or he would, like, single someone out and no one, everyone was scared of him. Like, but, I mean, for the Scottish boys, he was good because there was a few boys down there and I got on well with him as well and he was still had like loads of ability like he was their best oh, he's player he's frightening he's frightening yeah. he was their best player by a mile mm. he's fell out of Phil Parkinson now isn't he yeah like 
I mean, he's got like a temper. Like in training, sometimes if things aren't going his way, like put all the balls at the drill or like <laughs> just stupid things like that. But you can like. I mean, at that point, like he's winning games by himself, mm. um, so you've got to kind of let him do what he wants. But <laughs> Jack Ross, no mind that. I mean, Jack Ross is always been quite good with that, like in my dealings with him. So, like, obviously, Stephen McGinn, like, is a big talker as well, and like he would have a moment in the changing of, and he always knows when to like stop it, like, right, like he can like just kind of clamp a player and put him in his place, like. Remember McGinn done one away to Inverness. We were winning 2-0 and drew to each or something. But we'd been flying. And McGinn comes in and he's like having a go at everyone. And Jack Ross is like kind of putting him in his place. Like, I give you a lot of freedom, but stop. Basically, like, shut up. Don't fucking talk. Like, I've told the boys we've done well. We've got two each. And you're saying the opposite. And McGinn was the same. Like, he would say things in the change room. And Jack Ross always knew when to, like, Stop him and be like, right, shut up now, like you've had your say. Yeah. Aiden, man, what a boy. So, did you know the boys were dancing him back now? Never, no. He would just came, boys. Like, we had obviously Luke 09. <laughs> uh, oh, he, would, mate, like, he, he won a raffle to get this under the team. He'd like read books or like be studying, like doing whatever he was doing in the bus. And Geeds would be like, what are you reading? Like, because Geeds is smart, like, he's clever. Like, and he, like, Always like if anyone was ever talking about anything clever, Geeds had to be involved in the conversation to show that he was sm- more smart. Or, like he had more about him. Uh, look around me, honestly. Is, <laughs> is he having a on that program? He, uh, I've not watched the second season of that, but like he would have been all over that. He's in another. He's like another Stelios. Like he's playing up to the fans and stuff. But as well, as... who else should have been on Big Money at Sunderland at that time? Uh, we had Oviedo, Carmo. Like these players, I mean, Oviedo would be like running around the pitch, just you would go jog around the pitch for the warm up, and then Brian would just like take off halfway and just run back into the building, like because he couldn't be last training because you say his calf was sore, but there's nothing wrong with his calf. Like, or if we ever had an away trip and we had to like go away with the night because it was just him and his wife and his kids like staying in Sunderland from like Costa Rica. So, like, if it was an away trip, he wouldn't go, like, he would just be like, ah, I'm injured, I'm not going. Deary me, man. What about Catamore? What's he like? Him and Aidan must have clashed. Aye, they did. Like, I don't, like, they would never even have conversations with each other. And I think that was one of the main problems at Sunderland. Just, like, boys didn't speak to each other. Like, there was just three groups of three. Obviously, Geeds knows, like, Chris Maguire and Adam Matthews. Like, they got on really well. But, I mean, outside of that, like, it was just groups. Um, and yeah, Catamore, like, I mean, he wanted to stay at Sunderland, like, I think they'd offered him like maybe a pay up or something the season before. And they were like, he said that he'd been at the club through like all the shit times, relegations, and he wanted to win something with the club. So he's like, I want to stay. I think they'd offered him like obviously a good payout to leave. And he's like, no, I want to stay. I've, I, I want to win something with this club. So we get to the Czech Trade Trophy final at Wembley and he wants in the fifth penalty and misses it. We lost it. Because <laughs> of so, so that sums up. Wait, why does he pull his shorts up so high? Oh, tuck, tuck the shirt, like his socks low, tucks the shirt in, like... Right, it was off it. But um, it's mad that he's made the money, Huxley Catton, what? Did he make yeah, to be fair, he's like, just an intelligent player, like, if you watch them in training, you, like, if you put him in, like, any other team, he's never going to be a standout, but he was quite intelligent and stuff like that, but... 
Yeah. I mean, you must have done something to play that level. See, on the Netflix documentary, like, could you, can you see the cameras and that, the changing room and about the place? Aye, so Jack Ross clamped down on that as well because they had them in the changing room the year before and I think Gates kind of got caught out by saying something about, like, the club, like, the manager wasn't telling them how to play or, like, they had no idea what was going on. So Jack Ross <laughs> also I'm not having that. Like, so we, they weren't allowed in the changing room, but they like would walk about all the time, and then you'd get the same group of boys who always wanted to be a part of it. They'd be like, "Oh, can we do filming? Like, look online or whatever." Um, but it wasn't for me. So see, like the the, the guys that are holding the cameras, are they standing at training with cameras filming everything? Aye, or like if you were walking down like the hall to lunch, they'll like the filming you walking backwards, like everywhere you you went, they were there. Um, but Jack Ross kind of clamped down on it a little bit and was like, don't really want, like, he, because I think the year before they had basically freedom to do whatever they wanted. And I think he was like, nah, like, don't want that. Um, the two owners, mate, I need to ask you, two Rockets. Did, you, yeah. did, they, did they get involved with the players? Not really. Like, when I signed, like, I met Charlie Metvin, like, after I'd signed. And, I mean, to be honest, him and, like, they didn't even know the first thing about football like either of them it's just like two businessmen running a football club so I mean they were their expectations and what they'd like assembled the squad they'd assembled were just totally unrealistic um, and I think like if they'd left Jack Ross in charge like they'd be they'd probably be in the championship now like he would have turned it around the same way he turned St Mirren around but yeah I mean that's like the club was just weird when I was down there it was just like not the best place to be, like with the owners and all that and everything going on. They were like, they were David Brent a bit, weren't they? Aye, full on. Like, I mean, Charlie met him. I mean, everyone's seen him on that documentary now. Like, everyone's did seen him. Did you, see, did you hear him then, stuff like that? Yeah, just like, he wanted it all to be about himself all the time. Like, and I mean, he didn't know anything about football from what I'd spoken to him, so. But would you try, try and speak to the boys about football? No, like sometimes, like before, like Wembley or whatever, he'd be speaking to us and like try to basically help us and give us insight on how we're going to win. And I'm like, you've never picked them all in your life. Do 10 keep you up and then speak to me. Like, um, but yeah, like the club was just obviously the owners try to sell it now. Um, I don't know if that's went through or not, but there was just a lot of uncertainty at the club. Like, so it was kind of hard to be successful. Is it tough to be around Sunderland when you're doing that well? Aye. It's like, I mean, the fans are like harsh, but they're obviously used to seeing their club playing in the Premier League or whatever. Um, and yeah, like, it was like tough. We weren't playing well as a team. Like, obviously, everything going on in the background like contributes to that. Um, and yeah, it wasn't like the nicest place to be when you weren't doing well, but we nearly got away with it in the end with like the playoff final but I mean the team probably wouldn't have been ready to go up I don't think anyway they wouldn't needed to like invest a lot so um, I think it would have just been kind of papering over the cracks if we were to go up It was losing the boy Magia wasn't it? That was kind of the turning point yeah. when he went he all the goals I think we look on and cried himself to sleep when Magia left didn't he? <laughs> he would have <laughs> uh, But see on Jack Ross did the boys do their like? Like him? Aye, they did. Like, everyone liked him. I've never really came across someone who hasn't liked him. Like, even the boys that don't play. Um, but yeah, like, 
I don't know what the manager's like now, but I think if they should have given him time, especially with everything going on at the club. Like he was finally getting rid of maybe some of the higher earners and being able to like maybe build his own team because when he was there, like all the recruitment would have been done above his head bar like three or four players maybe that he got a say on, I think. Yeah. Uh, you came on as an early sub in the playoff final against Charlton. Uh, how hard the result was that to take? 2 1 it was, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was actually a strange one. Like me and Aiden had been playing like all the time. And then the week of the playoff final, like you know in training you get the feel like I'm not playing here. And like Aiden wasn't playing either. So why we're is speaking, that? so we were speaking to each other going, Why are we not playing here? Like, what's going on? But basically the idea was we weren't playing with wingers until like it was supposed to be until like the sixth eighth minute. We were or like at early second half, me and Aidan were gonna come on. That was the plan apparently. Um but you know what it's like, like that's a massive yeah, game. How, how did they didn't take to that news? He would have been fuming. Like we were both just like, what's going on? But I mean Aiden was kind of nursing like an injury anyway, so it, it was what it was. Um but like you know what it's like, even if someone says, Oh, you're coming on at this time, your head's gone. Like yeah. like Wembley, I was like the I must have played like a bag of shit the full week as soon as I found out. Um the night before the game probably would have been like there wasn't a game the next day. The warm-up, I was probably a bag of shit in as well, just because my head's gone. Um, and probably being like young in that as well, like I thought, I don't know, like you always see like young boys, if they're not playing or whatever, you go on a mood and think that's going to help you. But to be fair, I warmed up terribly, done everything terrible. And then like two minutes, I don't know, it might have been two or three minutes into the game, Max Power got injured and Jack Ross was like, Oh, right, are you ready to go on? And in my head, I was like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not ready. Like, so, like, that's probably my biggest regret of my time down there. Like, wasn't that I'd done it intentionally, but just, like, didn't deal well with being told I wasn't playing. Um, and then the game itself, I mean, even if we'd won that, their first goal, the goalkeeper, like, lets the ball roll under his foot, goes in the net. Like, we wouldn't have scored, like, if we played 10 games that day. So, um but they just papered over the cracks, I think. What was the dressing room after that? It was probably the quietest it had been. No one even spoke, I don't think. I mean, Jack Ross didn't speak the whole bus journey back, nothing. Um, it was just a weird ending to all, because I got back off the bus, got in my car, drove to like my apartment, packed up my stuff and drove back to Scotland, and that was it. Like, it's a weird what ending. Book did, uh, what book did we look at on the bus back? <laughs> Jim Paradox, Slaney game, I'll end it. Ah, brilliant. When you were at Sunderland, uh, Brendan Rodgers' departure was announced. What was your reaction when you heard? Um, I mean, they're always in whispers, aren't there, about Leicester, so... I mean, you I just thought... you that to you, Jack. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> he, but, I mean, it was out there, like, that he, Leicester, tried to get him before. Um, but I just thought, never... You, would they have left at that time? But I think obviously let teams in Leicester, teams in the Premier League have too much money to like wait about for a manager. You know what I mean? So if they wanted them, they were getting them then. Um, so when you were certain, did you have the feeling that he was going to be there for to try and get ten in a row? Or could, did you always think if the opportunity comes up, comes up, sorry, I think he would go? I mean, I thought he was going to stay just because I'm sure the opportunities were there, and he was he'd been staying up until that point. I mean. I'm sure after like going invincible and stuff, 
teams would have been interested in, especially with how successful he had been in England anyway. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was a strange one, like just strange timing, but obviously he's doing well at Leicester now and Lennon's obviously doing well at Celtic, so it's not, it's just been kind of seamless, really. Is it, is it true he speaks like five different languages? He speaks Spanish, like, and he was learning to speak French as well, obviously all the French boys. Um, yeah, like, so he would like deliver the session in English and then like pull like Christian Gamboa or Izaguirre and do it in Spanish, like, so. No way. Serious. <laughs> well, all of our coaches out here in Miami are all Spanish, like, so all of our sessions are just Spanish. Like, so can you understand what they're saying because uh, Rogers? Because of Rogers, I, <laughs> no. Um, I'm just trying to do as best I can, but like, yeah, he was, like, he would always, like, on the bus, he'd be, like, learning Spanish or learning French, whatever, like, just anything to get, like, a wee margin, really. What, like, with the headphones on, he'd be sitting, learning? I'd have, like, a notebook, and, like, a like a French book or whatever, and like a notebook, and he would like write stuff down all the time. See, his meetings and that was it all about like planning for failure. I've heard that. Yeah, like he would um, very like methodical and stuff. The way he would think, like um, I mean, yeah, he was just like always calm, like thinking every possible outcome. Like mm. he had everything worked out in his head, like. Basically, before you played the game, he would convince you basically how the game was going to pan out. Um, or like he would say, if we go down to 10 men, this is what's going to happen and this is where we're going to get out and like, don't worry about anything. And uh, he was like, really impressive, to be fair. That's some top level shit in it. Um, yeah. How did the other boys take it when he left? Were you, not, were you in a WhatsApp group and that? Were the boys devastated? I don't think, I don't remember it getting put in the WhatsApp at all, to be honest. Like, I think Brunei maybe put in like the, the day before maybe listen like the gaffer speaking to Leicester or whatever like um, but at that point I don't really think that the boys kind of managed themselves in a way as well especially with Brunei like you would never have the chance to like take your eye off the ball really with him so um, yeah like there wasn't too much of and I think obviously Lennon came in quick anyway so it was a quick transition it was as if nothing had even happened is it like having a second manager with Bruni there? Like, do you think you're going to be a good manager? Yeah, for sure. Like, he's every bit like the manager. Like, on the pitch, like, he is the manager. Like, um, and I think, like, Lennon gives him that like, freedom to do that as well and, like, police the boys and stuff. But, yeah, when you've got someone like him playing, like, um, it is like having another manager, I'd say. Uh, what did you think when Lenny got the job? Obviously, you said that he tried to take you to Hibs before you went to Sunderland, so you must have been quite pleased when you heard. Yeah, I mean, it's like obviously, he tried to get me to Hibs, and then I remember Stevie Mallon had messaged me, like, he loves wingers, whatever, because I obviously love Martin Boyle and stuff, so it was like, I think you'll maybe get a chance. Um, but it's funny, like, when I get to Celtic, and like, after a first couple of days of training, he comes up to me and he was like, Oh, were you on loan at? Sunderland like the full of la- like all of last season and I was thinking you phoned me in January to get me on loan twice <laughs> like <laughs> <don't> <laughs> so I don't know if he just done it just to fuck me off or like if he generally had no idea like like what well, well, did you did you know see you try to get me now like, I actually said I was like I, I nearly kept my house on loan in January I was like I just was there some and he was like oh I oh I so I don't know if he just done it to fuck me off or like Maybe he phoned me thinking I was someone else trying to get me on loan. So, 
Because you've done quite well pre season as well, mate, didn't you? And you've I mean, early qualifiers as well. Yeah, like, to be honest, like, my team at Celtic was like, I probably tried a bit too hard, to be honest. Um, when I was at St Mirren, and obviously, like, I always felt like I had the responsibility to, like, win us games or, like, score. And, like, I would be like, oh, playing whoever today, like, I'll score a couple of goals and we'll win. But when you're at Celtic and I'm like, I don't need that responsibility because there's so many, like, other players. So then I'm, like, just running about. Like, I ended up just turning into, like, a runner. Like, I'd never been that. But then I was just, like, pressing, like, running all the time. And from doing that, I got chances, like, to play. But, like, that wasn't my game at all. So I was kind of lying to myself the whole time. Um, so that's probably my regret. Like, I changed pretty much, like, what player I was, like, I would stay high, wide, like not really track back and then go to the fullbacks, but I would never have done that just because I felt like you had to like, earn like the trust of like all the players at Brunei and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I would just run about like a madman. Mate, it's mad you say that because me, Slaney, who's a winger, he says the exact same thing. Uh, like, and you don't even notice yourself doing it. Like, just now thinking, because when I've come over here, like, I feel like I've got that responsibility again. But... Maybe just subconsciously at Celtic, I think, oh, we've got loads of top players here. Like, I don't need to be the one that, like, tries to win games for us. So, I mean, like, I'm certainly one that, like, thrives off of, like, having that pressure of you need to win us a game or you need to score. Like, but when I didn't have that, I just was like, what else can I do? And then it just translated into me running about mental all the time. Mate, it's all mentality a team like Celtic, isn't it? I mean, there's no doubt you've got the ability, it's just if you can deal with it mentally. And I think, like, if you watch me at St Mirren and then at Celtic, it's two different players. Like, at Celtic, I don't even think I ever got the ball 1v1 and ran at someone. Like, I just wouldn't have done that. But, like, you don't even realise you're doing it. At St Mirren, that's all I've done. Or at Scotland in the 21s, that's all I've done. Um, But just subconsciously, like, you don't realise you're doing it until I look back now and I'm like... I wasn't even playing football. I was just running about. And they'd pull you and say, like, get back to them what you did at St. Martin? No, not even. Like, I probably should have thought myself, like, the reason they sign you is because of what you've done at St. Martin. Like, that, I, David Longwell used to always say that when you train with the first team, was like, never play it safe because they're wanting you to train with the first team because what you're doing, like, how you play with under 20, so you need to do the exact same. Yeah. But maybe I just kind of lost sight of that. Because, but... I would always get on, like, Bruni and that would just love that I would run and press things that maybe other people wouldn't do. So they were loving it. They were just, even when Odson got injured, they were like, oh, it's nice to have someone up there who presses and runs. And, like, Odson is probably the best talent in Scotland, but I was getting, like, assurance of, like, oh, well, we like what you're doing. It was just kind of a thankless task. I was just pressing and doing, like, most people's running for them. But that's not really why you play football. You don't play football to run about. So, um, the worst in it, mate, running about is the worst. Um, what's the differences between Lenny and Brendan Rodgers? I mean, Lenny says himself that he's like, I'm not the best coach. He says that to the boys. It's like, yeah. I'm not the best coach, but he's so good at like motivating, like so like passionate, isn't he? Like about Celtic. So. Like, he's really good at, like, getting you up for the games and stuff. Um, and then the coaching kind of takes care of itself anyway, because you've got, like, John Kennedy still there, and then Duffers when he was there. So um, they're two completely different people. Like, obviously, Brendan's so calm, and Lenny's a bit more, like, 
can lose it. But even he's calmed down a little. To be fair. Did he? Did he ever need to lose it? Because obviously he's were they were winning every game. So did Lenny ever need to lose it? No, like I don't ever remember him losing it to be honest. Um, like which was surprising because I just heard that he was like like psycho. But uh, yeah, as you say, when you're winning, like no one cares. So um, yeah, like I, I don't remember him ever losing it. Uh, what about Damien Duff? Like, how good is he? Jake, he could go and be a top coach. Yeah, he's the same. Like he just loves wingers. Like he was brilliant for Mikey Johnston. Um, like Mikey loved him. Like that was his dad. Um, but yeah, he's good. Like he's a really good coach as well. And obviously, he's played at the highest level. So you're going to listen when he talks to you. Um, but yeah, he's similar. He could coach at the highest level. I know he's obviously back to Ireland now. Um, but hopefully he can get like an art club job at some point because like I think he's just like he suits very much being involved with guys every day and helping them get better. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Edward. Um, you can go right to the very top. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was first there, like obviously Musa um, was there um, and he was like the one I thought oh, he's going to the very top. But Odson's is similar now. Like, they're different players, but he's probably the best talent in Scotland, really, when you look at it. But, um, I'm sure he'll get a move soon. And obviously Celtic will work him for 10 in a row, but um, it's easier said than done. But hopefully he can stay for another year. Big man's chill, didn't he? Uh, the big man got injured, however, and your task will leave the line against Wren. What did you think when you were told, obviously you've said on your numerous times you're a winger, but what, what, what were you thinking when you were told you'd be playing up front on your own against Wren? So it's actually something we'd done like a month before they'd, in training. Like I would be up front, um, and like well, it kind of in shape, in shape or like in games or anything we done in training. Like I would be in as like a nine, um, and to be honest, it suited my game because at that point, as I said, like I'm not even playing like a tricky winger anymore. Like I'm running in behind or like pressing. Um, so I remember one session where I was flying up front, like, in training, um, and I was like, there's probably more chance of me playing as a nine here than, because Griff, it was struggling with injury or something, and we only had Odson, and I was like, well, just play as a nine. And because at this point, to be honest, I was still thinking in January, I need to leave here. Like, I can't, like, not play. Like, I would just wanted to be a regular somewhere. So um, I'm doing my own training, and then... Odson gets injured and it's me and Griff, like, and we're doing shape on, like, say, the Thursday. And I'm thinking, well, it's between me and Griff to play up front. They'll probably play Griff because he's the perfect opportunity to get him back in the team. And then now they put me up front. And from that moment, like, because everything had been going so well in training, like, I knew I was going to score against Ren. Like, just. Did he just tell you in the dressing room an hour before the game? Just named the team and you're in it? No, so he told me on, like, the Thursday, he was like, oh, you're you can do that job like you've done it in training um, and obviously Griff was there so I was thinking well oh, he's obviously shown faith I'm he could put Griff in um, but yeah like and another thing was that all the boys were like buzzing that I was playing because of the new I would press and run um, but yeah like it was probably the first game in my career where I went into thinking there's no way I'm not going to score wow. like just because of how well training went like obviously once I played that role more and I realised it's harder than it was, but just that freshness of playing somewhere new, like, just thought I'll score if I play here, and then I did. And you did score, I mean, that must have been some feeling, although you said your Celtic career never went the way you wanted it to, but yeah. the European game, it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, um, obviously that's the best moment, 
like for me, like personally, obviously we win the cup. Um, but like that's probably my highlight of playing. Like it's probably the only game really in my career at Celtic that I kind of showed for like a full ninety minutes, like what I was like capable of, even if it wasn't in my position. See, when the final whistle goes after that game, do you think straight away I'm going to be starting against Rangers here? Well, there were still a couple of games in Odson. I always thought Odson was going to be back fit for Rangers. Um, and the thing is that he actually got back fit and trained the week of the Rangers game. And be honest, before you go on, are you wanting him to get back fit or do you want him to, to miss out? No, selfish, I want him to miss out. Like, I don't want him to be, to be injured. But, like, he got back fit and was training and I was training and we were, like... Um, at that point, I was playing up front and, like, was doing all right. Like, the way of me being a nine had kind of worn off and it wasn't like, I'm going to score. Like, I was just running about, like... Stolen motor, like a stolen motor, I had. I have speedboat and no driver, so I'm just running about again. But as I say, like it's helping the other boys because I'm pressing or whatever. Um, and then yeah, it was just a straight. Like at that point, Odson wasn't obviously fully fit, but he could have started. Um, and on the f- like the day before the game, um, before our like meeting, Neil Lennon called me to his office and he was like, oh, you're playing up front tomorrow, which obviously Odson was fit to play. So I was like, all right. Like, um, and then from there, like, I was obviously excited for the game. See, uh, see on that, would uh, Edward ever pull you and give you a couple of wee tips or pointers here and there? No, no. <laughs> he didn't care. But he's too chilled out for any of that. Like, um, and uh, so were you happy to be play- like see when you're playing a game like that do you know wish- I just wish I was playing in my preferred position yeah I mean at that point as I said like I knew I was never going to be a number nine like it was alright for what it was like getting back and playing but I'm like I wish I was not playing because at that point Elianusi was like injured as well he played that final injured yeah. and I was like Odson could ease up that front and I could have finally got a chance to play left wing I never played left wing once when I was at Celtic like in my whole, I think maybe came on as a sub there once, but I'd signed as a left winger, never played there, um, which is probably another regret, but that's something that I didn't have any like control over. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I touched the ball in the final. Like, I don't think many of us did. I hate that, eh? See, when you're a young player and you get asked to play for us, you want to be judged on where you, the position yeah, you play. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, at that point, obviously, you're just happy to play anywhere, but. You're getting, as you say, you're getting judged in a position that's not even your position. Like, and you're playing against like good players that have obviously been centre backs the whole career, and you're they're playing against a striker who's played there for six weeks. So, how was uh, how was the build up to the game? A couple of hours before that, out for the warm up, and that were you nervous for that? I don't even remember being nervous for that game. Um, when I was at Celtic, I was never nervous. Like, I don't know why, um, but like. Going back to like my St Mirren debut, like the difference between like when I came on for St Mirren and what like when you're shining yourself when you're young to like when I came on for Celtic or whatever, like it was completely different. Um, I'm not sure if that's because you know you've got like people guys that bring in that in the team, um, and probably because you know like you're a good team, like so there isn't as much pressure on you as an individual because there's ten other guys that are helping out. Um, so yeah, like I wasn't that nervous in the warm-up or anything like that. I was just excited really. But then as I said, like in the game, like I don't even think I touched the ball. I know, see see in the game, how how early on do you think like 
I'm not even going to touch him. I mean, Hank Frimpong got sent off, but it was a lot of long balls up to you. And What are like, you meant to do? Yeah, I mean, like, especially not being a, like a nine, but we were like, in fairness to Rangers, they dominated that game, especially the first half. Like, um, even before the sending off, like, I'm feeding off scraps and it's hard, like, when you're just running, like, pressing up there yourself like and then you were just knocking long balls up because we're struggling to get out um yeah and then obviously like that reflects on you like boys are obviously people will be thinking like take him off but really like it's not that's not the only issue that like it's tough to do something when you can't touch the ball so um uh forster was unbelievable wasn't it amazing yeah he's like he's another one like i don't know how he wasn't playing at southampton before he came up here like is he fine in training or is he very good? Can't score. Like he just got, he's too big. Like his hands are like massive. Um yeah, like he's like next level. He's top player. See when Frimpong did get sent off, are you thinking we'll beat here? Not really, just only because Fraser was in goal. Like because mm. of how well he'd been playing, I was like and the, when Morellas was hitting the penalty, I was thinking he's not scoring this. Like, no way. Um, and yeah, it was like he was the only reason we won that cup because Rangers, like, and the balance of play deserved it. Amazing. Uh, describe the feeling when the final also went, mate, and you knew he'd won the cup with Celtic. Just relief, to be honest. Like, I mean, it's probably the first like cup I felt like I played a part in when I was there. Um, but when the final whistle goes, you're still thinking like. I didn't touch the ball today, like selfishly. Like, are you still thinking about that? Eh? Yeah, I'm still thinking about that. Like, maybe that's just how I am, but I'm just like, didn't even touch the ball. Like, why am I even celebrating this? Like, really, a massive achievement for the club. Like, and we were just lucky we had Fraser on the day. But um, yeah, I mean, it was obviously my first final that I'd played and started in and won. So that's something I'll always like remember. But I just wish. Like, I was able to impact the game more, really. Uh, see, just on Frimpong, he got sent off, as we said. I uh, spoke to a few boys that are in it, Celtic, and they say that he's he's top class. Would you go along with yeah. that? Uh, he's, like, he could, he's another one. Um, I'm not sure. Like, he's exactly what Man City would want in a fullback, so I'm not sure how Celtic have managed to, to get him. But very quickly within, like, he came up trained, and, like, within, like, the first couple of weeks, I remember Cal and Bruni after training saying one day, like, he has to play. Like, until I think they told the coaches, like, he has to play. Because like, wow. he's so quick. Like, he was in. Bruni doesn't say that about a lot of young kids, man. No, no. So when he said it, obviously, it carries a lot of weight. And I think the coaches just listened and then not looked back since. What's he like as a guy? He seems like a great kid. Yeah, he's great. Like, just like. It's, that's what he is. He's just like a great kid. He's just like so young, so much energy, like so happy all the time. Um, and like you always see him like on social media and that, and it's not even an act. Like that's just how he is. Happy go lucky. Uh, do you still keep in contact with anything? I do. Like I speak to like Brian Christie and Scott Bain and stuff. I grew up like next to Greg Taylor as well, so um, I'm quite close to like a few of the boys. Um, um, so yeah, like. I enjoyed my time there. Obviously, I wish, like, on a personal level, like, I could have done better. But, like, there's no point in even thinking about that now because it's done, so. Because you're sitting in the sun, young man. <laughs> no point in thinking about it now. Uh, 
But your main progress was here. Did you say played a few games? Lenny seemed to kind of like you. It was a bit of a surprise when your your exit was announced. Yeah, so it was one of those that's ones. That's the lure of X, so me, it? Yeah, so I'd heard about it like November time, probably just I'd actually heard about it just before the Ren game, and then I've scored against Ren, and I remember it in Miami, like phoning my agent and being like, "Is this going to be able to happen?" Because if he's back playing that. Um, but to be honest, as I said, like even though I was back playing and playing up front, I still wanted to leave because Odson's waiting there. Like as I touched on earlier, he's like probably one of the best players in the country. Like you're not going to keep him out of the team. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking eventually this is going to come to an end, me playing up front, and then I've not ever played out wide for this club really. So can I just ask you there? Why, why did you never? Why did you never go and say why am I not playing it wide? Do you regret not not going to see somebody about that? I'd done it to I'd asked before like Rogers like can, can I play on the left because I feel like everyone thinks obviously left wing and right wing can just interchange but like yeah. it's completely different when like you would never just switch a left back and right back I know it's a bit different but like you just it's completely it's two different positions oh, it's, true. Although, it's true you're right so I would either play right wing or I'd be playing up front or number 10 or whatever, but never left wing for some reason. Um, and I would ask, like, when Rodgers was there, but, I mean, I can't even remember what answer I would have got. But, well, yeah, like... He spoke in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, he just spoke in Spanish and probably told me, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, honestly, see, at that point, I'm, it wasn't I'd given up. Like, I've, like, I'm training every day. Like, as I said, I'd just turned into, like, I worked so hard, like I probably worked too hard in training and it, and always done extra. So every day in training, I was working so hard, but I kind of at this point, I was working hard thinking I need to be in good condition to go to another club and be ready to play. Because at this point, I was like, I can't see, unless something drastic changes, I can't see me like ever playing here in the position I want to play in. Um, but Lennon wanted to keep me there and I was just... <laughs> Yeah, he wanted to keep me there. He wanted me to be like a squad player, and I just told him I can't be a squad player. Like I don't want to. Um, and he was quite good with me. But then eventually, like I had to phone Peter Lowell myself and be like, like I just brassinated it and went, I need, like I want to leave. Like no respect. I was I thanked him obviously for everything, and then I was like, I need to play like regular football. Like, I can't. So I would be starting one week and then in the stand the next week. And I was just like, I don't want to travel around Scotland sitting in the stand and then maybe make the bench and then maybe start if three people are injured. Um, so I was just, so I phoned Peter and was like, Peter, I didn't want to leave. Like, and to be fair, once I'd done that, they became a lot more like open to the offer that they got. So. How many times did you dial Peter's number and then no phone it before well, you eventually? Three, four times and eventually, like, I couldn't even phone him, so I just texted him, asking him. To me. No way, you shot it and texted him. I texted him and went, Peter, can you give me a phone? And then Peter says, then he says, oh, yeah, give me a phone at two o'clock. And I was like, oh, yes, I've been invited to phone him. So he's done that. <laughs> <laughs> so see, when Lenny found out that you wanted to leave, was he all right, Peter? He was, was he all right. He was a bit angry, but he was all right. He was just asked me why I wanted to leave and, like, all this stuff. And then he was like, if you want to leave... Like, I'll speak to other people. Like, I'll speak to other clubs. But, like, you wanted to know why. And I was just like, because you can't guarantee I'm going to play here. And at this point in my career, that's all I wanted was to be 
not guaranteed because obviously you can never guarantee, but to be somewhere where I know like I'm first choice. So see when uh, you first speak to Miami, is it Bex that you speak to? No. So it was a guy called Paul McDonough, but then Bex is like messaged me on Instagram. No way. And uh, <laughs> just asked me like how I was doing or whatever. Um and saying that he was excited for me to come over, like, and he hoped the deal had went through or whatever. And then finally got the deal done, and then he messaged me again and just said, like, welcome. And then he's been quite good. He says, like, if you ever need anything, like, just can let him know or whatever. Like, he's quite hands-on. Do you remember, to me. Do you remember where you were, where he Instagrammed you? I can't even remember. No, I think, do you know what else? I think... I hadn't been on Instagram for a few days, so it looks like I've dinged them for like three days. Like, yeah. I'll get back to you. Like, <laughs> so, um, so did, he yeah, follow like, you? did he follow you or was it just a message? I don't know if he follows me. I know like Romeo Beckham and that, though, but I don't know if he does. Like, he probably doesn't. Um, that's amazing, man. How ch- I mean, that's the only guy, footballer in the world, that would speak to a player through Instagram, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also we were we went away to like Dubai for like our winter like training camp, and I've packed my bags thinking I've already spoke to Peter about wanting to leave, so like I kind of half packed my bags thinking I'm coming home during this, and then luckily I went there, and then we say we left on like the Sunday on like the Wednesday, uh, the bid got accepted, and then I had to tell the manager that the bid had been accepted because he didn't know something, so I told Neil Lennon I was like, oh, bid's been accepted, I need to go home. So wait, did you need a chappie's hotel? Do I? I think I seen them down at lunch, but like I'd been told that morning before training they've accepted a bid, and then I was training. So in training, I'm just walking about, and I remember like Bruni being like, "No one touch him, like in case it had happened." Because like Bruni was always good to me, so he was like, "Oh, no one touch him," um, in case I got injured, obviously. Because I was wondering why am I training? Like they've accepted a bid. Um, so after training, I was like. I think they've accepted a bid, Gaffer, like, I need to go home. And to be fair, he was like, all right, all the best to you. And then we had, like, a night out that night, for the team night out. I went there, and then after that, went home, like, the next morning. And then, so you fly back to Glasgow? Well, yeah, straight back to Glasgow, and then I signed the contract to Miami in my house, which was weird as well, so I just signed it. What, through it on Instagram? <laughs> I bet just said, sign here, and I wrote him back a picture of my signature. So, do you then fly over to America? No, so, Matt, it was a, so messy. Like, the original plan was they wanted it done for me to fly over, see all the facilities, and then fly back. But they didn't have time to do that. So, they had to sort my visa out, like, as quick as they could. So, I signed, like, the 9th of January. And then I, I had to wait my visa going through, which didn't happen until, like, the 20th of February or something, when I've done nothing. And we've got our first game, like the first of March, we played LA away. Um, so that time I was just sitting in the house. So when did you first meet Bex? I met um like the second day I got over, because we signed, like one of our like, big signings was signed the same day as me. We met him and stuff. Um, Who's that? Who's that, sorry? Rodolfo Pizarro, the Mexican boy. Um, and then we had like a team dinner, like a few nights later. Um and he took everyone out for dinner, like a steak place. Um, I'm sure, he paid for it all. And did he? Did he speak? Did he? Did you get? Did you get like a one-on-one one? I like that's the first time. Like I had like a prop. We had like a picture taken and all that, and he was speaking to me. Um, and then from then, like as I said, he came to like, LA with us, speaking to us like all like he was at training, spoke to us after training and all that. 
Um, and never since then, like he, he he's always around, but obviously with this pandemic thing right now, he's in England, so he can't come out. But before that, he was always around. Is uh, was Victoria in that there as well? They came to our first game in LA, but I've not met her or anything like that. But uh, they came to the first game. Would Jenky ever come to the stage where he'll start managing the team? Maybe if, I don't know. Like we've not. Does he coach you that when he's there? Does he give you wee tips no, and pointers? No, he like he speak like after training, like he speaks to like me and a couple like the other like forward. Obviously, he's a winger. Um, and one thing like when I signed for the club was like because I was like, a British player. Like they told me, like, oh, you're number seven, like, because obviously Beck was number seven over here. So I was like, oh, no, no pressure, thanks. <laughs> so and did yeah, he wind you up about being seven? What's that, sorry? Did he wind you up about being number seven? No, he's not. To be fair, but like, um, I, I mean, he speaks to me quite a lot when he's over here, and he just ask how I am, or like ideas on games, or just give me like little bits of advice, but. As I said, he probably looks at my set pieces and thinks, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Mate, you need to get up to his house, eh? Yeah, for sure. Need to get that he bought like a $25 million apartment in Miami Beach or something. So. Wow. And what have you got? Have you got a flat? No, I've got a house here. Like, um, I mean, yeah, all the houses here are nice, to be, to be fair. So. Is, uh, is that the happiest you've been in life? Outside of like the like obviously everything going on, like yeah, I mean one thing is it's like I'm so pale, it's roasting here, like forty degrees, like it's so warm. Um but yeah, like the lifestyle is just completely different here, like especially like, going to like LA to like play away games and you're in LA's hills like training and it's just different. Like and it's something like I always thought when I signed for Celtic, instead of all those other clubs, I was like, I'll regret not signing for them. And I just thought, I'll probably regret. I'll always think, what if, like, if I signed here? So that's what I'm based on. So. Uh, what is it? The Disneyland facility you've got to finish the rest of the season? No, so we went there. When did we go there? The start of July. And then it was just like three games in a group and then a knockout tournament um, just to help like the league make some of its money back that's obviously lost. But... We're not there anymore. We get knocked out, so we're back and we're just training here waiting for the league to restart, which I think is probably going to be the 22nd of August or something like that. Uh, so how many years have you signed there for? I've signed three years with an option, so four, technically. You'll be there for four, won't you? Uh, what are you going to do after that? Plans to come home or are you going to stay out there? I mean, the plan was to come home. Like The club want to sign like younger players, like develop them and then sell them. Um, the guy in charge of the recruitment was at like Atlanta and he got like the Miguel Almiron and he just wants to sign young players and then sell them. So when he we actually spoke about coming here, his goal was to come here, do well and then hopefully sell me for like a profit. Um but yeah, like I definitely would want to come back to the UK or, or Europe which at some point. it would just have to be the right place. Obviously out here, like with the league growing, like I never know what's gonna happen. Um yeah. I could, like Johnny Russell, I spoke to him before the count. He loves it. Like, I can't see him coming back. So, I'll just have to see how it goes, really. Brilliant. Lewis, thanks very much, mate. Top man. Thanks for having me on, side.
hey, do you know what will go great with this podcast right now? A scrumptious Cadbury snack. Crumbly biscuits smothered in smooth, delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cadbury snack, the perfect biscuity bite for that mid-morning break. Pick one up in a store today. Vodafone is now Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider. We've got fibre broadband here in Dublin. Here in Clifton. And now here. We could soon be powering this podcast you're about to listen to. So you can wonder on your computer from the comfort of your own sofa. Curiosity is everywhere on Vodafone, Ireland's largest fibre broadband provider. From €30 per month, search Vodafone Gigabit Broadband. Terms apply. Subject to availability and selected areas. Average speeds based on Comrade Market Share Data Q1 2020. New customers only. Subject to 12-month contract. Offer ends 22nd of November 2020. See Vodafone.ie forward slash fixed terms for full terms. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com